There is a tyranny in practicality. I had this thought today. Being too practical is tyrannical. Tyrannical is not the right word, but it's working against life. Being not practical at all is maybe being too alive, right? Being so alive that you'll wither away very quickly. Like you can just live like that for a very short period of time, but it will be very exciting and you will be very alive, right? Mm -hmm. But being too pragmatic and too practical is a deadening of life. It's too constricting, constraining to express life fully in this very moment. I have this pattern. It is softened a bit, but I still have it. It's a pattern that had built over decades for me. So it takes time to kind of, you know, rechannel it into a different direction. Where sometimes I am too practical, too pragmatic. I think I had too many steps and try to order all the steps in the perfect efficient flow. And therefore I construct something that's too complicated and then it's hindering me from life and from accomplishing a lot of these things. So I'll give a recent example. Back in Germany for two months, I'm in this beautiful house that has an indoor pool. You know, it's a great delight to swim in the morning. It really is. In the cold water, it's really refreshing. It's really energizing. But I have a lot of morning routines now, <laughs> like a, a pretty busy morning. And it keeps adding. I keep adding things to it. I wake up in the morning, the first 30 to 60 minutes, I sit in silence, I contemplate, then I do some mantras, then I do some breathing techniques, then I do yoga, then I do breakfast. And now that they're swimming, ideally, I'd like to swim after the yoga, and then I shower after the swimming, which is the most logical thing, and then I would start my day, right? The problem with this is that it's quite a lot of things and they have to all go in order. And some mornings when I don't feel like doing the first thing in this routine, everything else halts. The morning contemplation is always the easiest. That just happens. But if I don't feel like doing the mantra or something else, then it's sort of like everything stops and is now waiting for that first step to happen before I allow myself to do the other things. Now, if in the morning I felt like swimming first, then showering then doing my breathing techniques, and then doing yoga, which is what I did today. For many days, I would just, if I felt like swimming first, meaning I did not feel like doing breathing techniques first or something, everything would just stop. And I would just try to force myself to do the first thing so I could do all the other things. And part of my thinking would be, it makes no sense to swim and shower and then do breathing and yoga, which also is kind of a little tiring. I might sweat a little bit. It's not like a whole kind of workout. I'm not drenched. I just slight sweat. But the truth is that today, this stacking was amazing. It was exactly what I wanted. If I had insisted on the structure that was most pragmatic sense, it also makes more sense in my mind for some reason to do the breathing, you know, before going to the cold water and swimming. Don't ask me why something in my mind when this gives me a lot of energy and it kind of like fills my body up with oxygen, it's probably good for swimming. You know, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's sort of what I thought once. And so I'm holding on to that. And if I held on to that, either I would have made all these steps and every single thing would have been a struggle and a little bit unsatisfying, or I would have not taken the first step and I would have wasted time. And then eventually I would have looked at the, this is something that has happened to me a couple of times since I've been back in Germany. I look at the time because I resisted that first step 
And then I go, well, I now only have one and a half hours before I have my call with Ramin, before I have the podcast recording. I cannot do all the things in one and a half hours. Hmm. And then I ponder, should I just do it after? Now think about this, how insane this is. Now I take one and a half hours and I will fill it with bullshit to not mm -hmm. because I can't do the whole three hour routine. No matter what it is, most of the time, it's a pain in the ass. What shall I do? I have to do five things. What is the most pragmatic, practical order of it? Well, it makes no sense for me to go and visit my friend now and then tonight go shopping. Let me go shopping and then visit because I'm going to be outside already. I'm not saying that there's no use in being pragmatic mm -hmm. and that there's no intelligence in saying when I'm already on my way and something is on the way, it's better to make a stop on the way to something else than to go twice, right? I mean, that's true. That's so true. But life is not always about being pragmatic and being mm -hmm. practical. And also ask yourself, I have to ask myself, my incredible pragmatism and thinking aheadness has oftentimes ruined my days because I either force myself to do these things in this order or because of the tyranny of the order, I didn't do any of them or very little of them. And I accumulated tremendous tension. So how pragmatic is it really to think this way when you have zero flexibility, when you have no ability to alter your plan? This all goes back to you have to be your own shaman, you have to be your own doctor, you have to be your own teacher, you have to be your own therapist. The thing is this, when we are looking for rules and for ways of doing things that are set in stone, there's a beauty in it, which is that you can do things where one thing builds momentum on the other, where you make it simpler for yourself. And over time, you build habits. And so things just happen automatically that don't require willpower. All that is accurate. The truth is, though, as well, that when you hold on to that too much, what it really signifies is a complete inability to ever listen to yourself in the moment, to truly follow your heart, to truly follow your soul, to truly follow your inner voice. Because life is very dynamic. Things are changing all the time. And what you thought would be right for you right now, a week ago, might be completely wrong for you to do in this very moment. And if you're not present to listen and flexible to adjust, to adapt, you're just living in a sort of tyranny that is the opposite flip of the coin of the tyranny of having no willpower and discipline and no pragmatism whatsoever, where everything is always chaos until you're dead, right? That's crazy. But being this hyper-focused person that only disciplines his way and only pre-plans his way to everything, that's a tyranny as well, because you no moment is ever alive. You're never ever present to truly feel what is right right now for me. You can never flow. You can never be spontaneous. You can never adjust a plan because you cannot know a week ahead what will be right for you on Tuesday, February the 15th at 11.45 a.m. Like you just cannot plan your life this way. Everything you will do will be dead and therefore bad and wrong for you. This sort of flexibility to have discipline and willpower and pragmatism and to have creativity and spontaneity and ability to adjust, all that, all these things are tools for you in your core that can be used and utilized only in the present moment, only in the right now. You have to have cultivated a sort of inner listening and a distinguishing the voices to know when to press and when to pull back, when to challenge and when to cuddle. It's like a great coach of an elite athlete. 
if you pay attention to elite coaches in sports, they don't just have one regimen with their one athlete and they're like, no matter if it's day and night, no matter if it's after competition before, no matter how the athlete feels, 365 days a year, every day, we just go through this plan. They don't. The greatest coaches, they have principles, right? They have certain principles they use, certain ideas, methodologies, but they also have great flexibility and they pay incredible attention. They know their athlete better than the athlete knows himself or herself and better than the coach knows himself or herself. And they pay attention and they adjust. And they know at certain times when the athlete goes, I cannot go anymore, they know they can. And so they push. And at times when the athlete thinks I can do even more, they go that you can't and they pull back. And they know when to keep to a strict plan where the athlete goes, I'm bored out of my mind. I hate doing the same thing. And they go, this hate is your art. You keep doing this. And then they know at times when to completely surprise the athlete and go, why are we doing this completely new thing now? Why are we resting now? I don't feel like resting. I feel like doing things because they have, if they're really truly great, perfect perspective. They observe and know and study the athlete, their body, their mind, and know it better than the athlete knows themselves and know when to push, when to pull, even the most hard ass, the most difficult trainers, if you really like study and read a lot about their work and what athletes would tell, you can tell that they are adjusting, that they are, you know, flowing, that they're moving, that they're not just one rigid thing, because what's the point of that? If there's one thing that you should do and I can pre-write it for the next 10 years, then I'll just sit down, dictate it for a day, boom, give you the recording. That's it. You don't need a fucking coach. But how could I? I didn't see what was going on in the last match and notice that your you know, left leg was lagging behind a little bit, that, you're, that something in your body wasn't moving right, that your mind wasn't fully there to know that I have to switch up the training or change the environment or pull back or push hard. I can only know how to train you if I'm there present in the now observing what is happening to you, how you're moving, how you're flowing, how you're performing. And it's the same way with ourselves. We only can be great inner leaders, great inner coaches, when we learn to listen really carefully, to know and understand ourselves really well. And then in the moment to know and sense and tune to, I don't want this, but I know it's going to be good for me. And what doesn't want this in me is the part we need to encourage or push or discipline. And in the next moment, I don't want this. And it's because this isn't for me right now. It's my soul speaking, my heart, my truth. And there's something here that will not be good for us. So we will listen and reject this, although we wanted to do it, or although we plan on doing it. And that's why there's no answers in the world that are universal. That's why there's no truth or no path that is for everyone in the exact same way. That's why those answers don't exist, right? Because... It's very simple. Just listen to yourself in the here and now and follow. But it's the hardest thing in the world because you have to learn to really listen. And because it's not always going to generate the same result. And people go, well, this is crazy. Should I always push myself or not push myself? And anytime anybody gives out a rule that's like, anytime you don't want to do something, tell yourself to shut the fuck up and do it anyways which is something someone that is speaking right now might have said a couple of times to many, many people. When you have that kind of a hardened rule, it's because you're saying, 
I don't know my soul. I don't know my heart. I don't know how to listen to myself because I don't trust any of my parts. I will set a rule that more often than not might bring the outcome I'm desiring. There's nothing wrong about that. There's a use for that, just like for everything in life. But you have to know this will come with a price. You will get many, many good results, but you will pay a high price. If you are an over-disciplined person like I was, the price is that your life will become more and more black and white. Your feelings will be more and more cast away and you will feel emptier and emptier, although your life becomes richer and richer and you become more and more convinced of your strength. And you're like, wait a sec, my whole life, I want to be so strong and I wanted to be so capable and so accomplished. And now that I have all this, it's all tasteless and it's all empty. And I feel like I'm totally lost. That's the price you pay when you only live in discipline, when you only live in these pre-made, pre-cooked up rules. Now you can be the opposite where you're always just like, you know, winging it and you have zero discipline. You're always in chaos. And there's going to be a price paid there too. You might have some fun. You might have a much more relaxed life. You might laugh a lot more, but you'll have a different type of sorrow and tyranny, right? You'll have different problems. You know, it seems like most truthful place is only in the here and now, can only be decided when you're present in the here and now. And then it becomes an art form. I have 10 tools, but every car that is brought to me that has a defect, I will take a look. With open mind, I won't just always change the engine to every car. Like there's tires that are flat. I'm not changing the engine to that. It's not like it's always the engine. The engine is the most important thing. So we're always going to be changing the engine. It's going to work a couple of times. Many times it will work, but it was very inefficient. You could have just changed one little thing in the engine instead of the whole fucking engine. But you'll have all these tools. You'll have all this knowledge. And you take one car at a time. You take a look at this moment. And you ask yourself, what do I have to do? But that requires great flexibility, which is not a skill we ever develop. That true flexibility. People are like, oh, I'm so flexible. But they're not because they can only go with the opinions of others. And then they're like, oh, I'm so flexible. Or they can only go with their impulses. Oh, anytime I want something, sugar, TV, going out, that's not flexible. Flexible is Knowing when to be a hard-ass, disciplined, absolutely obsessed, forceful, you know, manifestation of willpower. And in the next moment, be a little dancing fairy that is like, you know, artful and painful and doesn't care about time and space. That's flexible. If you can hold both these, if at any moment, spontaneously, each of these two could manifest through you, that's when you're flexible, Right flexibility. (laughs) It's not easy. It's simple, but it's not very easy for us because it does as a prerequisite, it demands of us to listen, to hear, to know. It requires us to know ourselves, to know these inner demons and voices and angels, to know where is this coming from and what do I need to do? And that requires great presence and awareness. And it requires also the amount of like inner relationship building where you start where these parts of your soul and parts of yourself take shape. So they're not just all one soup. You're just spooning off the soup of a thousand ingredients and you're just, ah, it's yummy, but I don't know. I can't tell you on this spoonful what all the ingredients are. Like, I just can't say. Eventually, as you start practicing, these ingredients take shape they form away from the soup you crunch on the carrots and you you know you taste the salt and you can tell what's on the spoon 
So in the moment you can tell, oh, what's holding me back now is different from what was holding me back yesterday around the same topic. And so where yesterday the answer was push, today the answer is pull. And it's like, people are like, motherfucker, this is too much work. Why can't we just have one answer? The reason why, the more you need one answer, the less you live in the now, the less you know yourself and you can listen to yourself. There's zero trust. There's no trust in yourself because you need all these rules because there's very, very little trust in doing the right thing at the right moment. This morning, I did not want to go into the pool and swim. All right. I really didn't. But I also didn't want to fucking breathe. I didn't want to do yoga. I didn't want to do any of these things. I was in a really good mood. Like I loved sitting and contemplating life. It was beautiful. And then I thought, what should I do next? And I thought, well, yesterday I didn't go into the pool. Today I thought I should. And then I thought, oh, but I still don't want to. Right? Now I have this hardened idea on Sunday when I went for the second time into the pool with my kids and I didn't want to go. And I went in there with resistance in my heart. All I could feel was the cold and all I could feel afterwards was that I don't want to feel the cold anymore as much. Yesterday, I was still living in Sunday when it came to the pool. And today I was still living in Sunday when it came to the pool. And then I thought to myself, well, what if I just go down and I'll just see and touch the pool and then decide? And if my feet says no, once it's immersed itself in water, I'll skip today too. And if my feet says yes, I'll jump in. Like, I don't know if I want to be in the pool. I'm not at the pool. Like, it's not here. When I think about the pool right now, I am back on Sunday when I was in the pool suffering. So I went downstairs and I opened the pool room and the pool room is always really warm. Like the room is quite warm. Just the water is quite cold. And I closed the door and I thought, ah, I forgot how nice the room is. The room is kind of nice. And, and then I went down and I placed my feet in the pool and I thought, yeah, I'm jumping in. And then I jumped because the water was not that cold. And then I loved it. I absolutely loved every second of it. I was swimming and I was just so happy I went into the pool today. But the answer was, I can't decide this in my mind and I can't come up with some rule. Oh, yesterday you skip, but today you have. And this is really tricky. It's always, I find it easy for me today when it's just deviating a little bit from the plan. But when it is deviating a lot, I find it incredibly challenging. The last example on this that comes to mind is when I was fasting on the second day, I had this strong, my body gave me the strong signal, don't drink water. Don't you dare drink water. And I thought, no problem. I listened to the body and I wasn't drinking water all day. And I did pay attention. I still was going to pee and it still seemed hydrated. I had energy. So I felt like it's probably okay. But by the evening, once the sun had set, I was in my room. And my mind was constantly saying, well, just take a sip. You don't have to drink a lot. Just drink a little. And I would place the bottle at my lips and my body was like, don't you fucking dare. Don't drink. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I, and I was in this inner turmoil. And the next day I thought, well, yesterday was yesterday. I'm excited about drinking. And my body was like, nope, still not. You can drink a little bit, but not much. That day was way more difficult. Right? My mind was willing to give away a little bit. It's oh, okay, we'll listen to the body. Now one day of no drink is no big deal. But the second day, my, my mind was like, this is not good. We should just break this rule. Don't listen to the body. Just go ahead and do this. And keep listening in that situation was much harder for me. Although it turned out to be a very good idea. I'm telling you now, 
if every day I would go down to the pool of this week and place my feet in it and my body would say no, this would be very difficult for me to do. Like a whole week, my mind would go nuts, nuts. Are you crazy? You have a pool, you could be swimming. You know how healthy it is. You know how much of a blessing. How could you not? Just because it's cold, what kind of a weakling are you? It would be so difficult. So <laughs> I've come a long way from, I would swim in half an hour in the morning, no matter how I feel every day, seven days a week. And if I hated it every single day, that hate would be my pride. Now I was able to, you know, skip one day and then today not force myself. I really wonder, unfortunately, I can't run parallel tests in different universes and be aware of all of them at the same time. But I wonder if I had forced myself and been like, no, you have to. Would I have loved it as much as I did today? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. It's so difficult to say, but I loved how I went about it, how it unfolded today. But I know I have some flexibility, a little flexibility where I used to be tyrannically disciplined, but I don't have unlimited or very much <laughs> flexibility. Once it stretches out a little bit too far, I can tell you my mind is going nuts. It's like, what the fuck? We can't live like this. We can't just come up with the rules as we go. You know, we have to follow a code. And it'll, it'll be fun to see how this unfolds. Does it expand? Do I contract back to my old being at some point in the future? I don't know, but I know that the truth and real aliveness and the real answer of what is right right now, only you know, and only in this very moment can you know. No book, no teacher, no seminar, no ideology, no scientific answer, no protocol, nothing can save you. And nothing can give you an answer that will be eternally right. Only when you're in the moment and you're able to listen, to understand, to hear, to distinguish, and then to decide what is right right now, will you live fully. And you'll realize that by the amount of different responses you have to the moment. Right? If you have many richly different responses to many different moments, maybe that's an indicator that you know, you're fully doing it and living it versus when you have one answer to most moments or just very few answers to most moments, more than likely you're not living fully and finding the right answers that are right right now.